What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Early Risers podcast. I'm your host, Skylar Deem, and I am an early riser. Now, if you're a first-time listener to the show, I'd like to welcome you. This podcast is all about helping you live a more effective life. And while there may be motivation and there may be inspiration, I also want to leave you with actual information that you can walk away with that you can use in your life to live a better life. Now, if you are also a first-time listener, I want to clarify on what I mean by early riser. Because a lot of people hear that and they think, okay, you have to wake up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or you have to be up before the sun comes up. But that's not necessarily the case. To be an early riser, you'd have to wake up earlier than you have to in order to get in some form of uninterrupted personal development in the morning. So on one hand, if you wake up at 4 a.m. and for six hours before you start your day, you're on your phone, you're not an early riser. But say you have to wake up at 8 p.m. to get to your job for the night shift, and you wake up at 7 p.m. and for that hour you work on yourself, whether that is moving or meditating or journaling or practicing gratitude, then you're an early riser. So it's all about waking up earlier than you have to and using that time to actually better yourself. So today's special guest on the show is Fred Stuvik. Fred Stuvik Jr. has achieved extraordinary success in diverse realms. Born in West Virginia and raised in Pennsylvania, he has been inducted into the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame for achievements in football, basketball, baseball, and track. Fred graduated from the United States Naval Academy after lettering three years as quarterback for the midshipmen. After service as a naval officer, he transitioned to the business world where he has held senior leadership positions in private and public companies, both domestically and internationally. Key successes for Fred include an international medical imaging startup that led to a successful IPO and forming a private medical services company, which he subsequently sold. From the playing field to the war room to the boardroom, his leadership and accomplishments have given him a distinct perspective and a results-oriented mindset. Fred had some awesome insights throughout the episode, and you're really going to enjoy this one. You're going to learn a lot from hearing him speak. Besides that, I hope you enjoy the show, and if you want to see anything from today, you can actually see the show notes on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, or you can go to earlyrisersmovement.com slash ERM43. With all of that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. How you doing today, Fred? Skylar, I'm doing great. I hope you are too. And I would like to thank you for inviting me on your show. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm super excited to dive into it. Do you mind kind of starting us off just sharing a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story, who you are, and kind of just more about what you do? Uh, well, I have a, a sports, uh, military, and business background. Uh, I played a lot of sports in high school. I grew up in a small coal mining town. We had four seasons there, Skyler. Football, basketball, track, and baseball. So anything in between was was off season. There wasn't too much of an off season. Uh, I ended up. Uh, I decided to go to the Naval Academy, United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, where I attended. I might add, graduated. Uh, I lettered at three years at quarterback. After that, I went to. Was commissioned as an ensign and served for five years in the United States Navy. And then I got out of the service and went into the business world. Uh, in the business world, I was 
in a number of areas. I was in a large corporate environment. I ended up working for a high-tech startup. We went through an IPO. I then, after the IPO, I don't do retirement very well. I started up a company, a medical services company, about half a dozen medical imaging centers in the Southeast. Uh, I sold that the year before last and wrote a book. Awesome. Now, I would love to talk a little bit more about the book, and we'll get to that, but I do want to talk about your experience in the Navy because that is such a special thing that, you know, I don't get to talk to many people who have that background. So do you kind of mind sharing about your experience and maybe some of the biggest and most valuable lessons you learned while you were there? Uh, yes, uh, no problem. Uh, I think that uh, I think this, both the sports and particularly the military background is extremely valuable. It's good training to help you develop in the skills and habits you will need to be successful in business and life. Why is that? Well, one of the common denominators in the military is a routine or process associated with everything that you do. Uh, you, you drill constantly, you practice, you master the basics, and you do it relentlessly. Sometimes you think it's too much, uh, but you have to have the discipline to maintain the regiment, to follow the plan to the point where your execution becomes automatic, almost second nature. And this routine becomes a habit and you want to, you need to develop good habits. You've always heard the expression, you know, we're, we're creatures of habit. Well, we want to be creatures of good habit. When how this routine becomes a habit and it's a, uh, you develop this, this rhythm, so to speak. And it, it, it trains you how to, uh, how to react not only in normal situations, but particularly in challenging and, and adverse circumstances. So that when you, you face a particularly challenging situation, your default mode is what you already know and you're already trained and ready for it. The entire time you're working as a team to reach an ultimate goal, which is essentially what you need to do in the, in the business world. Uh, it's it's very regimented. It's very specific. It's very planned, and I think those those details are very important. It also, for me, highlighted the difference between uh, personal authority and positional authority. When I talk about positional authority, I'm talking about being in charge of a division or a company. You have a hundred men under you, and you give an order. Well, it's one thing to give an order just because you're in that position, but it's another thing to give that order and to give that command in such a way that you, commun you communicate it effectively. They understand it. They buy in and everybody moves forward in locks lockstep. Okay. You want everybody working in sync, working in, in, in unison. Another thing that helped me in the military is that when you're thrown into a division or on a ship or in a squadron, you're working with a number of people from varied backgrounds from across the country, sometimes from other countries who've become citizens. And it gives you a chance to develop an understanding as how to work with these different people, how to work, understand them, how to empathize with them, and so forth. Now, I mean, there are different styles of leadership, and the leadership uh, style really varies on the circumstances, and I cover that in the book. But there is no one size fits all for all people. You have 100 people in a, in a company or in a division, and that's 100 different personalities. 
Now you want them all molded to act and, and, and think the same in certain situations, but you just cannot approach everybody in the same way. And I found that that has also worked in the business world as well. So I feel like most people, you know, they go the traditional route of they go to school and then maybe they go to college and then they get a job. So was there something specific that pushed you to go to the Navy? I grew up in a small coal mining town. We had a strong work ethic, good values, good people. That always stayed stayed with me. Uh, I was fortunate to have been offered scholarships to a number of colleges and universities and visited a number of them. However, when I went to the Naval Academy, just the entire atmosphere of commitment, discipline, service to country really resonated with me. I thought it would make me a better person, and that's why I decided to go there. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure it did help in that aspect. Now, when it comes to your book, so it's called It Starts With You, Turn Your Goals Into Success. And I looked a little bit into it. I read a little bit of it, and it had some amazing Amazon reviews. So I guess just starting from the beginning, why did you decide to write this book? Well, first of all, I, I mentioned I sold my company the uh, year before last, and I don't handle the retirement thing very well. And my experience and background in, in a range of environments in the, in the sports world, I played Division I football in the military and in the business world has given me a distinct perspective. On numerous occasions, I've mentored individuals, especially young adult, adults who have sought out my help. And I even bring up the value of mentorship in the learn chapter of my book. But uh, and I've also given a few talks uh, uh, to groups uh, around the area. And almost without exception, people come up to me after the talk and ask me where they could buy my book. And I was encouraged to write the book by several people. My wife was probably the most ardent advocate about me writing a book. And I always try to follow her advice. So having decided that, I then looked at a number of self-help books out there, but I wanted to write a different type of self-help book, something that was more of an instruction manual with a format that was not only comprehensive, but specific and would try and would provide someone with the instructions on how to unlock their potential and build a foundation for success that will last by developing the mindset, habits, and skills that are necessary to be successful. I love it. And so the book is broken up into three separate parts and each part has a specific focus. Now I'd like to kind of briefly touch on each part. So the first one is called find something you believe in and get good at it. And I wanted to touch on the concept of belief because I feel like that's such a powerful word and just being able to believe something is, it could be the difference between you being successful or you failing. So do you mind kind of touching on what you cover in that section and maybe even talk a little bit about your belief and, and how you really would define the word belief? That is an excellent question, Skylar, and that is why it is chapter one. First and foremost, if you don't believe in yourself and you're not comfortable in your own skin, it's going to be hard for other people to believe in you because somehow that vibe is going to, it's going to, it's going to come out. So you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in what you're doing. Okay. If you have that self-confidence and belief in what you're doing, it is going to help you tremendously through your career and through your life. 
Now, why is that? Well, the reason for that is life is not a flat line. It's not a hockey stick that keeps going up. Life is a series of wins and, and losses. And, you know, you, you celebrate the wins and you learn from the losses. However, when, those, when times are tight and you're going through an adverse circumstance and facing very challenging environment or circumstances, it's that firm belief in what you're about and what you're doing that is going to enable you to stay the course and persevere and get through it. Definitely. And that was very well said. So in that section, you know, you definitely talk about the topic of belief and getting good at it. And I think that is also a key point. Um, Can you speak on the importance of just, I mean, just going at it, just doing things over and over until you really master them and why that's so important in creating this life that you can really turn into something that you call successful? Well, one of the most important things is for someone to get good at what they're doing is to develop the skill set and the proficiency to become the best that they can be. They're going to have to dive deep into it and become an expert or at least become as good as they can get at it. And one of the reasons this is important, because the better you are at something, the more self-confidence you have. The more self-confidence you have, the less stress you have. The less stress you have, the more comfortable you are. The more comfortable you are, the better decisions you make. And all of that is tied to skill and developing that skill. Now, there are, there are many ways to do that. And there are many, and people in today's age have many opportunities to do that, but you need to get into it and dive deep and develop your, uh, your skill set in terms of, you know, what you're doing and, and, and what you're about. Uh, the, uh, the, the other thing is in, term, in terms of developing the skill set, you know, I, I, I talk about plans. Okay. You may have heard the expression, if you don't know where you're going, any road will, will take you there. Well, you need to put together a personal plan. You can call it a, a, a strategy, but before you do that, you have to have goals. You need to decide where you want to go. And the goals provide you with a sense of direction, a sense of purpose, and they motivate you. It bridges the gap between the mind and the body, creating a bias towards action. You may have heard that Chinese proverb, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Well, take that first step, ditch the excuses, take that first step, and then another. And the sooner you get started, the sooner you get there, all the while taking, putting yourself in a position where you can take advantage of the opportunities that will arise during your journey. And that's, that's very important. So, you know, it all starts with confidence is what you're saying. And for someone who is or who was super involved in sports, who went to the Naval Academy, I'm sure confidence is what they helped you develop. Or, I mean, you could have just had confidence, but is there any way you would recommend going about gaining confidence? That's a, uh, well, you know, in terms of developing, you know, confidence, I think the first thing is awareness. You have to be aware as to what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, you know, sometimes you see yourself one way and others see you half another way. In some way, sometimes the truth is somewhere in, in between. So you need to have an awareness as to what your strengths and weaknesses are so you have a good fit. 
Then you have to put together a plan to improve and, and start small. And then you need to, uh, as I said earlier, you need to increase your need to increase your competence. Uh, the other thing too is along the journey, and I, it's covered later on in the book. Is throughout this journey, you're, you're going to be faced with adverse circumstances, even failure, and that in and of itself isn't bad. It's only bad if you react poorly to it, because it's a learning experience, it's a growing experience, and no discomfort, no growth, as I mentioned in the book. So you have to condition your mind for success, just like any other muscle in your body. And going through, you know, at the, at the Naval Academy, we had some pretty rigorous uh, academics, or at least, at least it was for me. And we had a very challenging schedule with the football team. So, I mean, there were, there were some times that we went in and we did not have a good day. Well, we moved on it, learned from it, went on to the next game. And I, I think those overall experiences helped shape, shape my resiliency and, you know, my mindset. So on to part two. Now, part two is associate with successful people and organizations. And I think I really like the title of this because the word that you used is successful. I think successful can be defined very differently for other people, but regardless of how it's defined, it's, it's still a term that is probably a good thing. So can you kind of speak on the importance of, you know, the people you associate with and why it really matters that these people are successful? Absolutely, Skylar. Before you get into you asked about the topic of success. So I'll just give you my definition of success. It's doing something that you believe in, that you enjoy doing it and are good at it. And that you also find fulfilling and hopefully doing it with a company or group of folks that have the same value system as you. And that's where part two comes in. Associate with successful people and organizations. A good plan executed with a poor team will not work. And the root of all problems, not all problems, but the root of many problems lies in human dynamics. So it's important to associate with successful people and organizations. However, let's say someone is out of college and interviewing with the company. I think one thing that people lose sight of Schuyler is that there's the company that you're working for, but just as importantly, perhaps more importantly, is the person that you report to. Because for all practical intents and purposes, that is the company. So I would urge the listeners out there, if they find themselves in an interviewing position, take a look at this person, whether he or she is someone that they feel they can work with, that they respect. Does this person give them the right amount of time when they're in the interview? Or are they constantly looking at their watch, checking their email? Because if they're not paying attention to you in the interview, they're not going to pay attention to you at work. So you need to find the right people to, to associate with. And that's why I also use the term mentor. You know, a mentor is someone who is, I know it's an old adage, been there, done that, but they can help you bridge the, the facts between, you know, reality and, and, and what you think the world is. But a mentor is someone that you can ask for advice and it'll probably work out something like, hey, what do you think I should do? Over time, a relationship will be formed. 
and they can give you the benefit of their experience and the hindsight and help bridge the difference between what you think is going to happen and what is really going to happen. So for anybody out there that's ever has any questions, I would encourage you to don't be afraid to ask because it's not about having all the answers necessarily. It's more important to know where to ask the questions. And what would you say to people out there whose main issue is they think that there's not many successful people around them or not many people that are really the type of people that they'd want to spend time with around them? They should make a change. You, you spend a lot of time at work, Skylar. And if you're not happy at work, you're not happy for a good portion of your day. The other issue is that you have the spillover effect. When I say the spillover effect, it affects your balance. It will spill over into your personal life because if someone has problems at the workplace, you know it's going to spill over to their personal life. And it could even manifest itself in other issues such as maybe drinking too much, drugs, whatever. But if you dread going to work every day and you don't enjoy the people that you work with, you don't respect them and have the same value system as, as you do, then, then you did make a change. But make the change in the right way, at the right time, in the right manner, and just don't leave one place to go to another. Find something that you believe in and go for that. Awesome. And then moving on to part three, persevere and adapt, never, ever give up. And this is pretty self-explanatory, but I do want to hear you touch on just the importance of just going at it, not stopping and not giving up. The single biggest challenge that you probably have in your life is how one deals with adversity. You know, and adversity can be different things to different people. And losing your iPhone, as I mentioned in the book, is not an adverse circumstance. It's just an inconvenience. But, uh, you know, how you react to adversity really reveals character. And it's a learning experience. And it's a challenge to overcome and if you overcome it, it gives you confidence. And if you don't, you've learned from it, but you've developed that resiliency and have a different perspective on things. It also helps you with the adaptability issue that I mentioned in the book. You know, Darwin said, it's not the strong that survive, it's those who adapt. And you have to be able to adapt to the circumstances and the environment around you because they're constantly changing. So when someone, you know, if a listener out there is, is, is in a adverse situation, the first thing you have to do is to accept, accept it for what it is. Time travel is not possible. You can't go back and change things, but get the facts to try to keep your composure. Don't react in a negative or emotional uh, manner. Okay. And seek the truth, get the facts, plot a course, and do your best to get through it. And this is where I, the term belief that we talked about, Skylar, this is where having a strong belief in yourself and what you do is so important because that's going to give you the wherewithal to get through this crisis because it's going to enable you to persevere because you believe in the mission, you believe in what you're doing so strongly that you will weather this storm and come out of it. 
maybe scathed, but you'll come out of it stronger, better, having learned something, and you can move forward with renewed confidence. Mm, I love it. Now, I'm just curious. Um, so as someone building my own business, I've definitely faced my own share of struggles. But you have done a lot in your life. You've gone to the Navy. You've been involved in a ton of sports. You work with businesses. Do you have a struggle or a failure that you faced that is one of your favorites? Where at the time, it may have been pretty terrible. It may have seemed like there was no way out. But looking back, it was something that made you stronger because you overcame or opened up a new door or just something that you learned from that allowed you to step further into your life? Yes, uh, actually a few, but the most recent was with my last company and I would get together with my management group and once a quarter we'd have a strategic planning session. And every year we would have a longer strategic planning session. I'm not into long meetings, so it would be very, it would be very, it would only be a few hours. We wouldn't spend all day doing it because I, I, I don't, I'm not really into long meetings. But one of the things we did was a, a SWAT. And I'm sure you've heard that team is, you know, you look at your strengths, opportunities, uh, weaknesses, and threats. And we listed the 10 things that if, what 10 things could hurt our business? What you know, about three or four years later, all within about a three to four month period, we got a hit with seven out of the 10 things. Wow. We had a 60% reduction in reimbursement. We had some new laws put on us in terms of how we could deliver certain products, inject certain radio pharmaceuticals, things like that. I mean, the sum total of those should have been devastating. But one of the things that did help is that we had a plan A or plan B set up for each situation. We had actually sat down a few years before that and said, okay, if this happens, what do we do? So we just went back to the plan and said, okay, we'll try this. Noxon, we'll try this. We'll do this. And we got through it. And actually, by the time we came out of it, you know, we were okay. I remember a a saying from a someone from a, a, a woman, a young lady that was out West that said that when you have a backup plan, that's an admission of failure. I mean, I take exception to that comment because if you don't have a backup plan, that's unrealistic because as you know, Skylar, things do not always work out the way that you want. And I will say this, we had a, we had a great team. We believed in what we were doing. We stuck together and we got through it. So those are the, those are the essential characteristics in my opinion, but you have to be prepared for things to go wrong because they will. Now, if you're sitting there and everything's going great and you're comfortable, enjoy it because that may not be the case one or two years from now. I'm sure you've been in that situation, right? Definitely. All right, Fred. So if people were interested in finding your book or looking more and connecting with you, how could they do so? I have a website. It's called, it starts with you.net and it's Y-O-U. Again, it's, it's, it starts with you.net. And when you go on the website, 
There's some information about yours truly, of course, but there's also the preface from the book. You can read it. You can read the sec, the chapter on adversity. Um, you can look at some of the reviews by clicking on the Amazon links and, and so forth. And I also have a blog. I have three blogs on there. One of them, which some of the uh, your audience might be interested in, is how will I do in school? Another one is discipline. So, I mean, and I'll be writing another blog in a few weeks. And this one is going to be how do I handle stress? So they can go on the website. And there's also a button they can click contact me. So they can send me an email from the website and I will get back to them quickly. Awesome. So now I have something called the question of the week. And this week's question is what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? In my children. Mm. How many kids do you have? I have two boys. I have one that lives in Berlin and one who is going to school in Japan. And I'm in Tennessee. So I would, uh, Charlotte and Nashville would have been much easier. <laughs> but uh, they're, they're spreading their wings. And, you know, as a parent, you want them to be fulfilled and happy and successful. So, uh, and but I've, in, I've invested. I love them both dearly. And they're doing well. Mm, and it's awesome. been a great investment. Awesome. The next segment is called My Current Obsession. And basically, my question is, is there something that you are currently obsessed with in your life, whether it is a song, a person, a place, a thing, just something that you're weirdly obsessed with at this current moment? Yes, I am. How to get the news and message about my book out to a wider audience. When you publish a book, there are different phases you go through, or at least this is my understanding. The first phase is everybody that you know says they're going to buy your book, and some of them do. But once you get out of that first wave, then you need to create that awareness on a wider scale. And that's where podcasts, you know, interviews such as this, and social media come into play. I've never been much of a social media person, but as I mentioned earlier, about Darwin's comment, you have to adapt. And if you want to get your message out, you have to get on social media. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter for those of you out there who are on that same platform. So uh, you, you're certainly welcome to follow me and I would appreciate that. Hmm. And where can they follow you? Uh, on uh, Twitter is F Stuvek. Instagram is Fred Stuvek. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Awesome. And I will put all the links to those in the show notes so everyone can find you. Before we go, do you have a final message for our listeners? Yes. I mean, I, I would encourage you to, to purchase the book. And, you know, why is that? I mean, I think that anybody can do something and make a change at any stage in their career and successfully apply these principles. And, uh, you know, I, I would urge anyone who's not comfortable, who doesn't like what they're doing, to make a change. I know sometimes people don't like to make changes. They are resistant to change. You know, they're fearful of change. And it's, you know, due to resistance, fear, lack of confidence, whatever. But if you have any doubts about what you're doing and you want to try to make a change, Make that change. I can speak from experience that 
every time I have made a change, and certainly there was trepidation involved with some of these changes, and I, and I went in a little concerned, but in each instance, that change was good. And if you're comfortable in what you're doing, okay, it, that may not last. And, you know, one of the questions I ask, and I guess this is a good place to close it, is if you're doing the same thing five years from now, would you be okay with that? Would you be satisfied? If you're not, I do think there's something you can do about it. And I think my book can help you get there. Hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, Fred. This was an awesome experience. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Before we wrap it up, I do have a few things that I want to go over. Number one, if this episode provided you with any value that you can use to improve your life, all I ask is that you head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. It will take a minute or two and it will help the show get ranked higher, which means more listeners, which means more people to get my message out to. So if you go over to iTunes and do that, it would mean the world to me. Next, if you are an entrepreneur or just anyone who values their time and you want to drastically improve your productivity, reduce your stress, and even increase your happiness, there should be a link in the show notes to apply for a free one-on-one call with myself. I would love to talk about how creating morning, daytime, and nighttime routines can all lead to an increase in your success. Thirdly, if you find that you're starting your day by pressing the snooze button, make sure you check the show notes for the link to grab your free copy of the Snooze Stopper. Now, all you have to do is pay shipping and handling for this workbook, but in this workbook, I share exactly why pressing the snooze button is leaving you more tired, why it's hurting your mindset, and even affecting your confidence. So if you press snooze right now, if you are late all the time because you press snooze, or maybe you just want to improve your life in some way, make sure you check the link out for that as well. And finally, if you are interested in supporting the show in another way, I do have a patron page. Patron is a system that allows listeners to support creators by pledging a certain amount of money per month. It can be as low as a dollar, and everything helps me make this a better show. When you pledge, there are certain reward levels, each that come with certain perks for you. So if you're interested in supporting the Early Risers podcast, you can check the show notes for that link as well. With all that being said, guys and girls, I appreciate you. Keep killing it as always, and I'll talk to you next time.